Well, good morning, church. What a great day to be alive. This morning, the title of my message is Good for the Soul. Good for the Soul. Some of you this morning may have heard the expression, Confession is good for the soul. This statement originated from a Scottish proverb in 1641, for those of you who want to be exact. The actual written form reads this, An open confession is good for the soul. (laughs) Confession is good for the soul. And this morning I want to talk about some practical suggestions about confession to God and to others. I do feel impressed that the Lord wants us to be honest. If we are asking for the Lord of the harvest to bring fellow laborers to join with us, we first need to be honest with our God. Father, this morning, help us to be attentive to these things. Now, we would not... uh, Be self-condemned, but know the reality of your conviction when you bring it upon us. Father, we thank you that your discipline is good. It's not wicked. And Lord, I thank you for each person here today. I pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to minister life and peace and grace. This we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I'm going to begin with a confession that took place about three weeks ago on Highway 11. I got pulled over and sided with a speeding ticket. It was windy that day, but that was not the reason that strong tailwind cost me to go past that speeding ticket. And I noticed the flashing lights in my rear view mirror. I thought, hmm, that's not me, that's, that's the other guy. Well, looking down at the speedometer, it was me. I felt embarrassed, I acknowledged why I did it, and after the citation was written, I noticed that the fine he wrote down on the ticket was also the color of my hair, gray. Gray? Not white, not black, but gray. Oh, okay. So I'm gray. Okay. So I thought to myself, hmm, I need to see the big picture of this. What can I learn from my action of this speeding ticket? And how does this tie in with confession? Well, here's three things that I felt the Lord impressed me about this. One, slow down. Two, Plan ahead. And three, follow through. Let's say it. Slow down, plan ahead, and follow through. Well, that sounds simple. Now, let's check your speeding tickets next week, huh? No, no. No, in George Barna's book, Growing True Disciples, he said, Christianity in America suffers from a lack of passion to be godly. We're all busy. 
And Jesus comes along and asks us to get serious about spiritual growth. What's our response, he says? We give the intellectual assent to the idea, but then we push it. When push comes to shove, our schedules are already bloated with other more important tasks, opportunities, and responsibilities. We have passion, all right, but it's not a passion for the matters of God. When practice, uh, confession for the soul is not just a good habit. It's an essential part of our relationship with God. And when practiced with regularity, and that's not having uh, fiber in your diet, when practiced with regularity, this discipline helps us to focus on something that we would otherwise avoid. Our own sin. Now tell me, do you all like poking around, seeing your sin? No, not me. I'm, I'm not a masochist. But the thing that I want to stress this morning, I want us to be honest with God. I want us to be honest with one another. And one practical way that God has given us that ability is to confess our sins. Now, being raised Roman Catholic, being an altar boy, going to confession, I remember as a child, standing in that booth, the door is shut, the screen is open, and the priest would say proverbial things, you know, why are you here? And, and so I would say my sins, and I, he'd close the door, I'd walk out, and that was it. Well, later on in life, the Lord got a hold of my heart. I didn't just have to go to a man on a once a week basis to confess my sins. He started dealing with me daily about sins. Not that, again, I don't like to flagellate or beat myself up, but the reality is I don't want to be the same person that I grew up to be. That is, I was a foul-mouthed little kid with an attitude. And growing up, I don't want that. I don't want to be a curmudgeon as I get older. And so, I need to practice confession. And I want to encourage you to practice confession. So first, we need to slow down. We need to slow down from our busy schedule to turn off the noise, the hurry, the crowds, to take time to quiet oneself from the busyness of responsibilities. I don't know about you, but there are some weeks that I feel crunched with, oh man, i got to have a quiet time. I, I want to spend some time praying about it. And I'm feeling this crunch. And the Lord is saying, I'll help you with the crunch. Call out to me. I'll help you with that. As we take time, or not take, but make time to read God's Word, reflect on His works, and review some of the things He's spoken to you in the past, not just through His Word, but you know, I'm a big advocate of writing down things. Why? Because for me, I forget things. I don't know about you. But it's good for us to write down things 
the Lord has spoken to you. Because there'll come a time, and I can almost guarantee it in your life, that when you see something written that you wrote, it's very convicting and it's very encouraging. So I want you to consider taking the time to slow down from your busy schedule and get with the Lord. Also another thing is it's good to take time and look at your surroundings. And this time of the year, I really enjoy it because it's a time that... uh, the colors and the shapes of the trees are changing. I mean, this past couple of weeks, I've seen some really beautiful sunrises with the clouds and the colors. And Oh, man, it was just great. And these are things the Lord has given us to enjoy, to enjoy the color, to enjoy the sounds and the shapes and the smells uh, of this time of year. All to one point, that we bring glory to God, that we glorify Him. So, the next time you see a leaf and you're by yourself, why don't you pick it up and look at its intricate detail. It's really kind of neat just to take a moment to do that. Here's the thing, if we can take time from the for the responsibilities of life and all its craziness, we can adjust our schedule to pursue spiritual time with the Lord. Repentance and obedience are essential features in our relationship with the Master. And here's a very convicting verse out of 1 John 1.10. It says, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in my life. Whoa. That's pretty clear. That's not, uh, that's not mincing words. All of us have sinned. But what do we do with that sin? Do we just kind of tuck it in and, until someone hits the button and out it comes? No. It's when God is speaking to us about confessing our sins. First and foremost, we're to confess to God. But Lord has also brought brothers and sisters in our lives. And sometimes we need to say, I blew it. I'm sorry. I really wronged you. That's part of our growth in knowing the Lord. To confess simply means I acknowledge ownership of my sins. And I don't make any excuses. Like, I could make an excuse and say, well, three weeks ago, strong winds made me speak. Baloney. It didn't. It was my foot to the gas pedal, you know. And this is the thing I want to drive home, folks, is that we need to be honest with ourselves, honest with God, and honest with others that He has us with. Let's open up our Bibles to Psalm 32. Psalms 32, those of you who have Bibles, not, I'll read this out loud in the New International Version. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered, 
Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. What a powerful voice. What a powerful statement. Here, the patriarch David is owning up the fact to his sin. And three times in this passage here in Psalm 32, he says, my sins, my rebellion, my guilt. Blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit has no deceit. Then in verse 5, he acknowledged. He acknowledged what? He acknowledged my sin my sin to you, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You know, I think uh, in the Old Testament, Joseph and Potiphar's wife. And there's a scene, you know, that Potiphar's wife is trying to get him to go to bed. And so, his response was, wasn't because he wanted to violate her or her husband. It says, I don't want to sin against God. Do we look at sin that seriously? That whatever we do wrong, first and foremost, we do it against God? It's a serious thing. In Psalms... Um, 32, it correlates with Psalms 51, where David expresses the joy of forgiveness. God had forgiven the sins he had committed against Bathsheba and Uriah, and you can read that in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. Basically, the story is he had Bathsheba's husband murdered when he realized that he got Bathsheba pregnant. You know, he was trying to cover up his sin. But what's really interesting is how God was faithful to bring a prophet, Nathan, to talk to him and said, you're the one. Now, God doesn't mince about with us when we sin. We need to repent, not cover it up. He goes on there and says, oh, what joy for those whose rebellion is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. yes. What joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. You know, God's not just talking about uh, three major sins. Basically, I wanted to say that God forgives all sins. Sins against God, against people, intentional sins, unintentional sins, um, sins of commission. What does that mean? It means doing what you shouldn't be doing, okay? Like speeding. Or sins of omission. Not doing what you should have been doing. Obey the law. God carries away your burden of guilt. He removes, He forgets it, He covers your shame. He will never bring it up again. The only person who's going to bring it up again, and that is the accuser of the brethren, All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
Every Sunday when we have communion, I appreciate 1 John 1, 9, which says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a special promise God gives us. We don't have to let the devil beat us up. We can be free because of the fact when we confess, God forgives. So, every time you come to the communion table, remember the Lord said, we serve a faithful and just God who loves us and our Lord died on the cross for our sins. When I was reading in uh, Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline, one of the things he brought out, he says, the discipline of confession brings an end to pretense. Honesty leads to confession, and confession leads to change. Without the cross, confession would only be psychologically therapeutic. It is so much more. It involves the objective change in our relationship with God and a subjective change in us. In other words, our salvation is both an event and a process. In Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, it says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. But, Isn't confession a grace instead of a discipline? It's both. Unless God gives us grace, no genuine confession can be made. Well, hey, I thought confession was a private matter between the individual and God, not a corporate discipline. Well, it's both. In 1 Timothy 2.5 says, There is only one mediator between God and man, the man... Christ Jesus. And we also find in James 5.16 that we are to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed. If we know, folks, if we know the people of God are first a fellowship of sinners, we know that we're not alone in our sin. Our humanity is no longer denied but transformed. God has given us brothers and sisters to stand in Christ's steed and make God's presence and forgiveness real to us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, Our brother has been given to us to help us. He hears the confession of our sins in Christ's steed and forgives our sins in Christ's name. Here's the key. He keeps the secret of our confession as God keeps it. When I go to my brother, I confess I'm going to God. So it's like, you know, I can't see God face to face, but I can see you. And when I confess my sin to you, and when you say to me, your sins are forgiven, it's more than just words. There's something that goes on in your spirit. Okay, this leads me to the second point about confession, and that is to plan ahead. Now, 
I recognize my sin. I still am struggling about it. And I see the need to confess to an individual brother or sister. But here are three practical issues before you talk to someone about your sin. I want you to think about this. Number one, it's a fact that not everyone can keep a confidence. If you're going to make a confession to someone, you want a trustworthy person. You don't want to spill out your guts to anyone and then your guts are spilled out again in, in, down the hallway here. You want to find someone who can keep a confidence. Number two, some people are disqualified because they would be horrified at the revealing of certain sins. Let me use the coin phrase TMI. Too much information. Think about it. Too much information. Some people can't handle too much information. You know, it's like last week I started talking about worms at uh, the square table there, and uh, Bill reminded me that's too much information. So, okay. Okay. Number three, not every believer has sufficient empathy and understanding the nature and value of confession. You know, we're all different areas in our life. And not all of us have the ability to empathize with someone when they're confessing their sin. And not everyone understands the nature of confession. I mean, here I grew up as a kid going to confession, but it wasn't until later in life it really kind of hit home. Maybe I'm kind of a slow learner, but it kind of hit home that, wow, this is real. Confession is important. It's not just an act. Okay, so you have those three things that you remember. Not everyone can hold a confidence. Not everyone can handle too much information. And third, Not everyone understands the nature of forgiveness and confession. So, what do you do? Well, first of all, you need to pray. Pray about the individual. And here are some key questions you need to ask. Number one, is this individual, man or woman, wise? Do they demonstrate compassion to others? Are they spiritually mature and able to keep a confidence? That's very important because I remember years ago, Jim Garrett said, there are some things that will go with you to the grave. Over the years, people have confessed things to me. I'll never forget, when we lived in China, boy, it was like uh, the confession booth was open. Uh, There was just, people would share secrets about what happened to them because they knew I was leaving Chengdu. And it was like, I was hearing all this stuff and I thought, wow, Lord, you know. And that's kind of the same attitude. When someone confesses, we kind of stand back and say, Lord, minister your grace to that individual. Lord, that they would know the freedom and the forgiveness that's in you. 
That's the attitude we need to have. Oh, and here's another thing. Do they display common sense? Well, common sense isn't so common, folks. Keep that in mind. And last but not least, do they have a wholesome sense of humor? Think about it. If we were all walking around like robots, we had no sense of humor, it'd be pretty dull. We need to have a sense of humor, especially in this situation. Okay, here's my third point, because I want to try to stay within the Willard Hudson School of Preaching here. (laughs) My third point about confession is to follow through with what the Lord has shown you to confess. When the Lord has shown you what you need to say, and you remain silent, and you don't act on what you need to confess. We read in Psalms 32, you're going to be pretty miserable. What? Well, let's look back at Psalms 32. It says, when, beginning verse 3, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. But then what did David do? In verse 5, he says this, Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. When we come to the communion table, For me, that's a special time. We need to be serious. If God is convicting you of a sin that you need to repent of, as Barney Fife says, nip it. Don't cover it up. Don't coddle it. Don't baby it. Just say, Father, I have sinned. I've blown it. We need to be real. So when the Holy Spirit puts a spotlight on your sin, you need to deal with it. Here are some seven questions to ask. I'm sorry I didn't have a PowerPoint presentation on this, but if you want to know what they are, I'll give it to you later. But the first one is address. A for address. Everyone involved. This may be just God, and it may be others affected by your sin. Number two, avoid. Avoid the it's, buts, maybes. If it contains an excuse, then folks, it is not a bona fide confession. Okay? Don't say it was the wind. Don't say it was my dad. Just admit it's your sin. Number three, admit specifically what did you do wrong. Don't be vague or use generalities to identify your sin of pride, envy, greed, ingratitude, stubbornness, and the list could go on. Be specific. Number four, acknowledge the hurt you have caused the Lord and others. Number five, accept the consequences. Tell God you're willing to bear the consequences of your sin. He may let you off easy and 
You may not. You may be paying a $150 fine. That's the consequence of my sin. Number six, alter. That's A-L-T-E-R. Alter your behavior. Forsake the sin. Make a commitment. God's help. When I shared this with the brothers, my good brother Bill Sullivan says, well, Dave, you ought to use your cruise control when you're going down Highway 11. And I thought, you know, I've got a nice truck here. I ought to use my cruise control. I need to alter my behavior. That's the whole thing about confessions, folks. It's not just to feel good or feel relieved. I want my heart to change. I don't want to be the same person I was. Last but not least, number seven, accept God's forgiveness. He will forgive, believe it, and accept it. Now, here's some benefits of confession. It's pretty good. Remember that the hidden sin is a stronghold Satan uh, can manipulate us with. He uses our failures, especially our repeated failures, to accuse us of our unworthiness as a disciple. Confession breaks his hold over us. Next, when you speak it out, our sins first become more real to us. You know, when I told my wife I got a speeding ticket, boy, it wasn't just that little piece of paper. The reality is I've sinned against God and the city of Tulsa. I've sinned. When you can speak it out, a slight pang of guilt so easily rationalized or ignored, but now it's named what it really is. It's a sin against a holy God. The next thing, hypocrisy also destroys our witness for Christ. The world is always watching us closely to see if our lives don't match up to our words. In fact, I remember when I was in the Navy as a young man, I always felt like my life was under a microscope. Everything I said, everything I did, it was scrutinized. But hey, that's not a bad thing because we need to be aware of our state. I need God's grace. I'm not that good kid. I remember as a teenager, I was just coming out of Mass and uh, at St. Pius over here off 21st, and we just received communion when this couple in front of me, when we were walking out to our cars, they started arguing and yelling at each other. And I thought, God, when I grow up, I don't want to be like those who look in the mirror and forget about what you did on the cross. I want my faith to be real, not just inside a church. Okay, now I'm going to boil this down. What I've said about confession is good for the soul. First, remember we need to slow down and hear from God. Where did we miss the mark? Confession is recognizing that we have sin and We don't have to blame our family, our neighbors, our friends for the sin. It's just us. Next, we need to be wise and plan ahead what you're going to say and who you're going to say it to. Knowing human nature and our shortcomings, we need to be genuine and to the point. And last, to follow through. Confession is an examination of conscience. 
There is sorrow and a determination to avoid sin. We are to address the things we know God has shown us. We don't need to play Holy Spirit in the lives of others. We need to take personal responsibility for our own sin. Proverb reminds us that we are to guard our heart, for out of it comes the real issues of life. So my closing verse is from Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And here's the important part. See to it. No one misses the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I know it's a lot that was said, and I want to take a few moments now um, for us to kind of ponder that before we break out from the service. So I want us to pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift. Thank you for the grace to be able to confess, because confession is good for the soul. Lord, my prayer is that this morning we would not just walk away, we've seen ourselves in the mirror, yes, we're a sinner, and we forget about it. Father, I ask that there would be genuine repentance. Lord, that we would be transformed into the image of Your Son, Jesus. That we wouldn't live out our old fleshly ways, Lord. We wouldn't be like the Ephesians in Ephesians 4 that uh, just wanted to uh, give up being sensitive to the things of God. Lord, help us as Your people to be sensitive to Your Holy Spirit's prompting. When we've blown it, Father, we ask that you give us grace to admit it and not cover it up or excuse it, but to admit we've blown it. So let's just take this time, um, think about these things. If God's calling you to act on it and you need to go see someone, then you go do it. And then we'll, uh, we'll dismiss here in a few minutes.